This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, good morning from California. It is not too cold here, considering it's uh, right after the new year, but I'll bet New York is freezing. Yeah, January is cold. I mean, not as cold as February, but it is definitely winter here. We definitely have winter. And the holidays are over, so that's kind of difficult sometimes. I mean, for some people it's a relief, and for other people it's difficult. Um, cause you know, everything before the holidays, there can be a lot of excitement. Absolutely. I, I was just wondering about the New Year's resolutions. We had uh, Mitch Carmody on last week and we were talking about setting re- resolutions and I wondered how people were uh, doing on that. And, uh, I thought the big resolution for me, uh, I, I said on the show, take care of yourself. And you know what? That's kind of a resolution for me this year too. Cause we can really get overbooked with a lot of the things that we're doing. Definitely. And, uh, they say that the biggest gym memberships and the biggest times that gyms are crowded are right after the New Year. People are setting out that commitment to take care of themselves. So uh, any thoughts, any other thoughts you have on the New Year before we introduce our guest? Yes, I actually do. Um, January is a really special month for me because on January 8th, I adopted my daughter from China. And so she is now, she just turned seven. I adopted her when she was one years old. But, you know, it's interesting how when we have a loss, it impacts our lives in, and impacts our decisions permanently in certain ways, and not just negatively, in positive ways, too. I mean, after Scott died, it became very clear to me how important the sibling bond was, and I dedicated my life to, you know, working with siblings and wrote my doctoral dissertation on the sudden death of a sibling. And once I had my son and tried to give him a sibling, it didn't happen. And after years of infertility and, and miscarriages, I decided I definitely wanted him to have a sibling, and so I went to China, and he has a sibling today, and it's fabulous. It's so incredible to see them together, and they're very, very close, as you know, Mom. So January 8th is a, is a very special day for our family. And as a grandparent, it was a special day for me, too. As you know, uh, I think sometimes we forget that grandparents are suffering, too, when uh, their child is not able to have other children or, you know, when other siblings die. That's always a big worry for the parent, and I know there are a lot of parents out there who are concerned about their kids. And I will tell you, um, Heidi's a perfect example of staying open to hope because she has been a fabulous daughter. And as she likes to say, and I'll say it for you, Heidi, uh, loss of a sibling does not destroy your life, but it changes it, right? Right. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's defined my life losing my brother, but it hasn't destroyed it. And for all those of you out there, you know, it's so hard to lose someone that you love. And, and we do lose people on the earth, um, physically, and then new people come into our worlds, which is a beautiful thing. And, you know, it's, it's going to be great to have Sarah on today because she's going to talk about how although we lose people physically, we still maintain very strong connections with them. And she'll be able to tell our audience how, how we do that. Yeah, and we met uh, Sarah at the Brief Parents, uh, I mean, yeah, Brief Parents USA conference last year. And uh, we're, we're able to spend some time with her waiting for our airplane and, and hear about her story. And it's uh and her journey, and uh, we really, Heidi and I, were very excited after we met her, and we wanted to share it uh, with you today. Heidi, you want to talk a little bit about Sarah? I would like to, and one of the things that I love about Sarah is she chose the perfect name to name her son. Her son is named Scott, as is my brother. So we will be honoring and paying tribute to the two Scots in our lives that that um, have died and are no longer here, physically here, 
are here with us in so many other ways. Um, Sarah Rubel is a bereaved mom whose only child, Scott, died suddenly at age 19. And she had a, a sign came the day after Scott's funeral, and Sarah's life was forever changed. Through his many signs, they forged a bond very early on, and she began writing, and she has since published a book called My Child, Your Death, Our Love. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Well, thank you. Gosh, it's wonderful to hear your voices again, and uh, I love that time that we spent at the airport as well. And hearing you talk about the loss of your Scott, and I'll talk about my Scott, um, you know, we definitely have so much in common. And my son being an only child, and my life was totally filled with one child, and I always thought I would have three children at least, and uh, I came from a uh, family of four children, but Scott totally fulfilled me to the point where I didn't feel a need for another child, of course, until he died suddenly when he was 19 years old. Completely unexpected, healthy young man, you know, college freshman, but life goes on in ways that I never could have imagined after Scott died. So I won't go into how he died, but it was sudden and the beauty of all of this is that I received a sign from Scott the day after his funeral, as Heidi said. And I could go into that a little bit if you'd sure, like to know about yeah, that. I'm, I'm sure everyone would very much like to hear about it. And, you know, it, this is a special thing to hear you say this, uh, to talk about him dying, Sarah, because I know that uh, people who have lost only children, it, it is quite a journey and, and adjusting to the new year and that kind of thing with um, out a child is is difficult. And, and are, am I still a parent? And yes, of course you are. You're a parent with no living children, you will always be a parent, right? Oh, absolutely. And I really struggled with who am I now. I, I didn't even know if I could continue to call myself a mom, which I've since discovered, yes, of course, that wasn't shouldn't have even been a question, but I was completely shocked with what happened, and I didn't know really how to find myself for a bit. But I would say also the new year was a complete struggle for me for so many years. I just always felt that every year that came, was another year further away from Scott, and I, I dreaded the new year. So um, I'm now at a point where I, I see the beauty in all that comes to me, and the new year doesn't affect me as it did, but I know there's many brief parents that it still does. And, and how many year, years has it been for you? I'll have to stop and ask that. Yes, uh, 17 years. Okay. Cause, cause so, uh, it's, it's interesting that you're saying this because on a show we did with Alan Peterson just a couple, I think it's a couple weeks ago, we said the exact same thing, that, that for some people, the new year brings another year separated from, the, from their children and their siblings. So it's difficult. Absolutely. I mean, I really, I dreaded that. that. That was one of the dates in the year that created the most problem for me. Almost as bad as Christmas was that new year right on following that. And um, I never could have imagined that that would be so, so difficult for me. Um, but like I said, I have worked through that, and now I see that there's always more than, than you think early in your grief. There is more. We, we get very detailed and caught up in every step of everything that happens to us when we're newly bereaved. And looking back now after 17 years, the wisdom that I feel that I have, I've, I'm just so grateful for that, all the experiences that I now understand more about life and death. And, and that has come through, Scott, and I'm so grateful for that. Well, tell us about yeah. Tell us about that first experience, that first sign. The day after Scott's funeral, I was literally lying in bed next to my husband, and I was just you know sobbing. 
couldn't believe what we had just been through so quickly. And I said to him, I'm going to run, my husband's name is Jay, and I said, I'm going to run downstairs, and I'm going to get some paper out, and I'm just going to start writing a letter to our community to put it in our small community newspaper, thanking everyone for coming to the funeral and waiting and calling hours to talk with us. When I went down to get paper, which was actually actually Scott's notebook paper, I pulled out a piece of paper along with something I didn't even recognize, which was a poem. And the poem was called, Our Children Are Like Kites. And as I read it, because I was just curious what it was, it went on to say, let's start out saying our children are like kites, and we, we let them out as they as they begin to age, and we pull them back in, and they get caught in the gutter, and we pick them out, and we let them go out again. Because Scott was in Colorado when he died. We live in Ohio. And I, I bravely thought, he was a freshman in college, he had just finished his freshman year, that he, it's time for him, he wants to fly, he needs to go, we just need to let him go and do this. And he was going to be working in a national park, so it was a very safe environment. So he was in Colorado, whatever, 2,000 miles away. But in this poem, as they're talking about letting your child go, what the final statements were, were, and he is free to be soaring as he's meant to, free and alone. And when I heard those words, soaring as he's meant to, free and alone, I was shocked. And then I looked on the bottom of the page of this, where this poem was, were three children holding kites. And in each kite was a letter. And each, in the letters, it spelled M-A-Y, May. And Scott had died on May 20th. And I knew, without a doubt, I didn't even know about signs at that time. And I raced up to show Jay, and I said, do you think this could be from Scott? And I, I still have framed copies of that in the house. And, I, I mean, it, it was the beginning of my relationship anew with Scott. He had come to let me know that he was fine. He was soaring. He was free, not necessarily alone, but free and alone in a way that I knew that he was okay. So that was the beginning of it all for me. I, I still suffered tremendously. You know, you have to know that missing, that separation and all of that. But then other signs and dreams started to come that just showed me that we were on another journey together, wow. separately but together. Mm-hmm. And what other uh, signs, uh, what were some of the most important uh, for you? Um, a lot of them came through music where I didn't, as soon as, I mean, really when Scott died, I turned the radio off in the car. I didn't listen to music, but I could be standing like in my chiropractor's office and suddenly a song would come on that was almost like funneled into my ear. It was so clear, and there was a Celine Dion song, Because You Loved Me, that just came right to me, and I knew, again, it was too odd, it was too loud and clear, that I knew that was from him, and when I, I always now go to the lyrics on the internet and find the words, and it was so, he was thanking me for all that I had done for him as a child, if you would look at those words, the lyrics. So I could be anywhere, I could be in Lowe's. And hear a song that was like, this is from Scott. It wasn't every song, and it wasn't, you know, they were spaced out, but it through music and finding things. I I built or I created a uh, children's uh, children's memorial, the Angel of Hope, in Stowe, Ohio. And I decided one Christmas to put silver stars all over the trees that had the children's names in that we had memorial bricks for. So I really labored over this, and, oh, it took a lot of time, and my committee really helped me. And just before I was ready to put those up, 
we had had a windstorm in Stowe, and I went to the cemetery to see if the wreath that I had for Scott was still standing, and it had blown over. So I got out of the car and went to pick it up, and as I picked up the wreath, underneath was a silver star ornament. And it was like, oh, my gosh, he knows what I'm doing, because I had 56 silver cardboard stars in my on my living room floor, you know, that I was putting together with a garland. So it was that kind of thing that he was showing me, without a doubt, that he was knowing what I was doing as well. Okay, now I want to ask you this. As our audience is listening to this right now, for for one thing, I'm wondering, what did your husband say when you went upstairs? What, and which is, I don't know, he may have been supportive, but I know some people have these signs and connections and other people are skeptical. How do you deal with that, I'm wondering? And then I'm wondering for those people out there, who want a dream, want a sign, and they say they want it and they never get it, or the people who have a really strong dream and they never have another one and they want it. It's always interesting to me how people deal with these signs and connections and and how did you deal with it? And also, um, uh, towards in a few minutes, I want to talk to you about how you think we can kind of, I don't know, for a be- lack of a better word, lay the groundwork. If you want to have a sign and connection, I don't know. Heidi, do you have any thought before Sarah answers these? No, no, I, I agree with that. I think that's a big question for people. People want, are really often want signs and connections and they don't know how to go about being open to getting them. So any ideas about how that can happen? Because with you, Sarah, it sounds like it just started happening. Yeah, and dealing with criticism or, or skeptics too. So. Oh, exactly. Wonderful questions. First of all, with my husband, he's not Scott's dad. It's a second marriage, and we were only married nine months before Scott died. But he knew Scott, and I think he was so shell-shocked as well that morning that, you know, he said, you know, we both agreed it had to be from Scott. And honestly, I can tell you that he's been extremely supportive. Yes, he is stepdad. It's a little different than having signs and and being the mom and the dad not getting them. That would be a challenge. In fact, at the Bereaved Parents Conference, I sat next to a dad whose wife was sitting to me on the other side of me, and she'd had signs for 15 years, and he had not. But he was there in a workshop about signs from our children. And I thought, wow, he is supporting her. He still wants this. He's trusting that his son is with them. But specifically for him, he had not received those yet. Um, I don't have the answer to that. I do know that... um, I, I trust from what I get now from Scott that it was meant for me to have these. I needed to for me to write this book and for some of the other activities that I've done. Um, I think we all have a different journey through grief, but I would say that I was open from day one with this, even though I didn't know what it meant, uh, really knew, but I was very open. And then I, every time I got a sign or had a dream, even if I didn't understand it, I wrote it down. And... Now I have a journal. I didn't journal a lot, but I, every sign or dream I had, I I would write that down, and I would really encourage that because I think when you trust what you've gotten, and you you're open to it, and then you believe that it did come from your child or your loved one, then you have, and then you start into trusting it, and you start seeing things that maybe you hadn't ever seen before. Often people have very logical minds that don't take them to a place of something different and something that might even be considered supernatural or in some way in in those terms. So I think that just 
I don't think wanting, wanting, wanting can do it because I think you get caught up in not having them. But I think just I went through the process of grief. I went to counseling. I tried to do all I could to survive. And in that time is when they would come. And it wasn't like every week, believe me. I mean, there might have been one a year. But it was still enough to carry me through and um, trust that, that they were coming from Scott when needed. You know, I, I think one thing that's kind of interesting is that, um, you know, you can find your own signs. You don't have to uh, necessarily be asking other people for your signs. And I also think that if you see signs that are meaningful to you, um, it can make the spiritual common, uh, for lack of a better saying of it, if you tell too many people about it, I mean, you will find skeptics. Um, you know, I think it's great to write your own things down and then you kind of remember them in your heart and they're special to you. And it doesn't matter what other people think about your signs as long as they're positive. Now, if you're getting negative things, you might want to talk those out. I mean, I see these signs as signs of hope. Uh, signs that move you forward, signs that inspire you. Have you got any thought about that, Heidi? And do you have any signs you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that we we all have we we all a lot of people get signs, but we just some people just don't realize they're signs, and maybe they just you know you know so uh yeah I agree with you. I mean, as far as what people think of my signs, I don't really care what they think at this point. I'll be honest with you. If if they make me feel good and I believe that they're signs, that's all I really care about. I mean, you know, we always talk about this. Scott gives us dimes. My my uh, husband gets his mother like he has a sign of a dragonfly. He's constantly seeing dragonflies, and they they represent his mother. And whenever he really needs his mother and thinks about her and and just feels like he needs her in his life, he'll he'll at some point have a dragonfly come into his life. And we live on the 14th floor of Midtown Manhattan. And one day he was in a really difficult space. And was thinking so hard about his mom and saying, Mom, I wish you were here. What advice would you give me? And wouldn't you know a dragonfly flew into our unit. Now, there are no bugs on the 14th floor, okay? It was bizarre and just landed on his computer and just, like, stared at him. And so, you know, there's there are a lot of signs. We have to be open to them, though. We have to be really open. that's a very obvious. Yeah, very obvious sign. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I also think that if you can find... You know, when you're talking about criticism or skeptics, that if you are part of a um, support group or you at least have a friend that you know that if you tell them these signs, sometimes it's neat to get the validation from others, not that you have to have it, but early on to be able to share. And I had um, been, I had facilitated a brief parents con- uh, support group for quite some time, and I started introducing my signs to the parents that were coming. And in time, they started sharing more and more. And I think if you have a venue, something like that, or going to the conferences mm-hmm. at Brief Parents or Passion Friends and being able to share with others, then you have the ability to um, feel that you're not crazy if you're thinking that this could actually be, that if somebody hands you a brownie at a certain time on your child's birthday and that was their favorite dessert, you'd go, oh, my gosh, this was a sign. And someone else would go, well, it was only a brownie. You know, well, and exactly, exactly. So, so saying, you know, this is a sign, and, and not it's not what it looks like. So, you know, before Scott died, I didn't believe in science. I thought science were ridiculous, and you know, so much has happened since he died, and also meeting people like you, Sarah, and hearing stories that now I absolutely know signs are true. And I remember I've been working with nine eleven families for ten years, and on the ten year anniversary, FDNY firefighter families that have had a loss. 
On the 10-year anniversary, we went onto a rooftop, and it was all the people that had worked with these 9-11 families for 10 years. We went to sell, to kind of pay tribute to all the firefighters that had died. And we took a bottle of wine that we had kept for 10 years. And we had it there, and it had pictures of the firefighters on it. We decided to open it after 10 years. And I took about 10 pictures of this wine bottle, and there was a bright, shining orb in every single picture. And there is no doubt in my mind that that orb, in my belief, was 343 fire energy from firefighters that had died. It was the light that shines on after people die. I really think it was a sign. Wow. So Well, amazing. And Sarah, uh, tell us about how people get to your website. And I know your book is coming out uh, probably, and do you know when, in April or something? My child... Um, in the, in the spring. spring, my child, yes. your death, our love, and and that is actually you say written with your son's help, which is amazing. And we'll have you on, and you can talk about that um, when your book comes out. But tell people how to get to your site. Well, at this point, I don't have a website, um, so I, that's something I'm going to have to create. But oh, you don't I have do. one. All right. Well, you're going to write for us. So uh, when you write yes, for I open, am. open to hope, you can go to her profile page, and hopefully, it will probably. It's up. I'm sure uh, it will be up by the time the show airs. So we're going to look forward to having you uh, on one of as part of the Open to Hope family. Oh, I I look forward to that, and thank you so much for the opportunity to share my story and to hear what what you two have to uh, share on this too. But thank you so much. All right, th- I look forward to seeing you and talking to you. Great, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Uh, bye, Heidi. Thank you for helping find, people find hope after loss. And please get Sarah's book, My Child, Your Death, Our Love. Well, Heidi, it's uh, been great to have Sarah on the show today. It was so much fun meeting her. It's always fun to uh, have people on that we've met and, and been inspired by. Um, I'm very happy that our book's going to be coming out this spring, uh, Dream, Signs, and Connections. I think it's going to be an amazing book, and I'm sure uh, Sarah will have an article in that. So uh, hopefully everybody will look forward to that. Absolutely, and people are so interested in this topic. Whenever Mitch Carmody does his sharing session on this topic, he's got 100 to 200 people that are in the room, you know, listening to what people are going through or sharing their own experiences with signs and connections. Absolutely. Well, we hope everybody has a great day today, and thanks for listening to Open to Hope. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.